Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of How I Teach with Donna Leash, your teacher and language arts lady. Um, I am excited to bring you episode number 51. So we've been at this for quite a while now. Uh, we did have this as a weekly broadcast, a podcast as well as a video cast. And now for this, and then a few, a couple months ago, we went down to twice a month. And now for the summer, we will have uh, a June, July, and I'm not sure about August. We may do more in August than just once a month. I know that um, a lot of uh, teaching parents and teachers are not really doing a lot of school things. So it might be kind of out of, out of sight, out of mind. So I'll just give you a couple, one for June and one for July. And um, then you can also join me over on Instagram, Language Arts Lady, where I will be teaching um, this summer all 10 parts of speech. In addition to that, I will be teaching all 10 parts of speech in my Monday mini mails. So if you are not subscribed to Language Arts Lady, besides the 18 free videos and audios and um, lessons and uh, books <laughs> that I have there for subscribers, um, if you're not subscribed, go ahead and do that so that you will get every um, Monday, Monday mini mail, which is going to be the parts of speech all through the summer. Follow me on Instagram where I'm going to be teaching uh, through video and audio and reels about the parts of speech. And we will just have a great summer get leading up to the school year working on all 10 of the parts of speech. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, show you the teacher's notebook. So if you are new here, the teacher's notebook is something that uh, we have every week or every episode. This one is hit 51 sentences, clauses, and phrases. Um, and uh, the teacher's notebook has the lesson that I'm teaching from. So in all of the previous 50 hit episodes, you can get free lessons for your students from second grade all the way up to 12th grade. And um, in the case of a couple of reading ones, even some kindergarten and first grade things. So they are free lessons that come in your notebook. So whatever I'm showing on the screen today, you will also see in your teacher's notebook. So you can print all of this off. You can make yourself a notebook with all the lessons, uh, tab them according to grade level or according to subject. Um, I have been teaching how I teach all kinds of writing. So you can hop on over to Learn Language Arts Lady blog and get that for free. There are also some free episodes um, from some free books over there and um, a lot more. So anyway, without further ado, let's move into how I teach phrases, sentences, and clauses. I think that's what we're calling it. Let me look and see what we ended up calling it. Okay, so uh, sentences, clauses, and phrases. Oh my, all right. So uh, looking through here, uh, after I prepared all of this and then just kind of walking through the uh, slides and everything, um, I will be very surprised if I can get through this in 30 minutes. So uh, it may be a two-parter and we'll just see where we end up. There's just so much explanation in this. So when I do the parts of speech this summer, I'm going to start at the very beginning, noun markers slash articles. And then we're gonna go to nouns and then we're going to go to verbs and we're going to build and I'll show you the sentence building that comes with that. And um, it will all be, like I said, in your, in your Monday mini mail, as well as on um, Instagram. So, um, and so with that, we're going to talk about a lot of things this summer that have to do with sentences, clauses, and phrases. 
So uh, this is really kind of jumping ahead as far as content is concerned, as far as understanding. But I'm sure that you guys know the, you know, a lot about the first 10 parts of speech and um, what I will be sharing this summer, trips to, tricks to teach it, tips, just all kinds of um, rhymes, jingles, songs, mnemonics, uh, check sentences, all kinds of things to help you help your students learn the parts of speech more easily and also learn the application of them. So with this lesson here, we are going to mainly talk about clauses, which begin with subordinators and phrases uh, in this lesson will be prepositional phrases and how those differ from sentences. So here we go. This lesson came from the Write Write Quick Kit. It is available at my Teachers Pay Teacher store. Um, and it is like a 90, what is it? 100 page book with videos at YouTube of me teaching the whole book. So it's like five hours of videos or something, four hours of videos that go with it. So when you get this Write Write Quick Kit, you'll get the Quick Kit, the 100 page book, and then you will also get the um, links to the private videos of me teaching the contents in this way in way more detail than I can do in these hit episodes. All right, so you can see in the table of contents, previously we had a Write Write Quick Kit lesson and it was 49, number 49. Um, and that was called uh, paragraph theory. So um, with paragraphs, part one, uh, we talked a lot about the elements of a paragraph and um, using a train to teach paragraphs and so forth. And that is an exit uh, episode 49. So today we're going to move into sentences and unsentences. And so you can see on the table of contents, I know it's kind of small, you can see on there um, that we have lesson one, the five parts of the sentence. Let, we have lesson, sorry, excuse me, section A, sentences versus clauses versus phrases, and that's today's lesson. Lesson B, section B, sentence types and sentence structures. Section C, conciseness techniques. And section D, quotations. So this is a really big um, part of the Write Write Quick Kit. You can see in the, three, in the uh, four parts, paragraphs, and then part two sentences, part three words, and part four appendix, which is loaded, loaded with free materials for you. Okay, so let's move right into sentences, quote, and quote, unsentences in the uh, beginning of how to tell the five parts of a sentence. So um, we have, actually, we have some uh, posters that are free. Um, I think a couple of them are free at Language Arts Lady Blog, but we have the whole poster set, um, which is like 44, po 44 um, posters in color, posters in black and white, and ring cards, reference rings that you can print in small form. There are small cards that you print off and cut and put on a ring. Um, and so there are like 15 posters, but they're all repeated. So colored and then black and white color ring uh, reference rings and then black and white reference rings. So that is a loaded product actually that teaches K's. All right, so when I'm first teaching uh, the parts of a sentence, and you'll see here that there are some assumptions that are being made about what the student already knows. So we go through K's with this C-A-V-E-S mnemonic. And that is that C, capital at the beginning, A, all makes sense, V, verb, E, end mark, and S, subject. I just did a um, Monday mini meal of things I say every week. 
And the, the thing I say every week is, how do you know that is a sentence? How do you know that is a sentence? And I taught in the Monday mini mail um, some um, examples of that. So you can be subscribed and hop on over to get that. That was just, uh, this is now the last week of May. So that would have been um, just a few days ago. All right. And so when we are learning, we start out with this uh, mnemonic. And so with that, we hope that they already know that a sentence has to have a subject and a verb, right? So a sentence can't be a sentence without a subject and a verb. Now, of course, we have those exceptions where um, you are exclaiming, you know, something like, oh my, um, or where you are using unsentences for emphasis. And we see that in the blogging world. I even do that. We see that a lot uh, to try to make points, to try to emphasize, to try to uh, change it up, um, the sentence structure and things like that. And so those non-sentences are actually, you know, acceptable in some ways. I always tell my students that, like, like one thing that they do is they learn adverbs early on. So they'll learn adverbs, A-V-A, adverbs modify adjectives, verbs, and other adverbs. Um, and uh, so we always um, start with learning adverbs and they put in adverbs and so forth. And then by the time they're in high school, they have to take out their adverbs, right? So I always tell my students that you need to learn how to do all of these things first, and then you can do the fancier things like taking out the adverbs because forget adverbs, get a stronger verb that doesn't require an adverb, right? And so we learn everything first of all, and even if it is tighter writing or better writing later on to not have adverbs or, um, you maybe can use unsentences or exclamatory uh, non-sentences and so forth in your writing. But first of all, we're going to do everything right and the correct way. And then we're going to drop those things as you need them, right? As you need for them to be, um, to make whatever type of writing that you are doing uh, be that much stronger. All right. So um, we talk about caves. They have to know, we talk about caves, they have to know the subject and they have to know the verb. And of course, another, another exception, but it is really an exception, but another instance that someone was, would say is that they would say, for example, well, what if you just say, you know, drive on the left side? There's no subject, but there is a subject because that is understood you, right? So you drive on the left side or whatever. So those are the first two things that, you know, we need for students to come in with us and be able to uh, go along and do those subjects and verbs because you, you don't have any sentence at all without those, right? And so then, of course, they have learned since kindergarten, uh, since pre-reading probably, that you need a capital at the beginning and an end mark at the end. And most students can tell you the three end marks um, and what they mean and why they're used, all right? And so then the one that really is a problem is all makes sense. And this is where some of these clauses and phrases come into play because you could have a clause that has a subject and has a verb and you could even put a capital at the beginning and you could even put a period at the end but it's not a real sentence because it doesn't all make sense so i always really really um pronounce this and really put an emphasis on this when i'm teaching this to students i will say when the girl walked down the street and i'm like i'm falling off my chair and there's just this dangling there, hanging. Something is dangling, right? Something is hanging there because it does not, A, all make sense. 
And so I really teach that with um, an emphasis on, okay, yeah, you know, subject, you know, verb, you put a capital at the beginning, you can put a period at the end, but let's make sure that it makes sense. And when it doesn't make sense, it is because it is probably a clause or a phrase, a, 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 an a dependent clause or a subordinate clause. It is probably one of those clauses or a phrase, like a prepositional phrase or something. So let's get into it. Here we go. Lesson two, is this a subordinate clause or a sentence? I teach students to punctuate subordinate clause openers or dependent clause openers with this rhyme. When you start a sentence with a subordinate clause, put the comma in when you hear the pause. All right. And um, sometimes they're called other things. So sometimes subordinators are called conjunctives, uh, which I don't like that because there's a whole another, another whole set of uh, gr uh, grammar terms that are conjunctive adverbs. So I don't like calling something so close. If we call subordinators conjunctives, what we have is we have coordinated conjunctions, we have conjunctive adverbs, and then we have conjunctives, which um, is another name for subordinators. They're also sometimes called subordinate conjunctions, meaning that they join, conjunct means join, meaning that they join a subordinate, a sentence that is subordinate, that is less than, it's not a real sentence, they join that to something else. And, and the only way you can use uh, subordinate clauses is to join it to a real sentence. And so I like to call them subordinators. And the reason that I teach those as subordinators is because um, it is subordinate to the rest of the sentence. So I come at the subordinate teaching in, in like five or six or seven ways. So that students, regardless of their learning style, regardless of their rhyming skills, their remembrance of um, uh, songs and jingles and rhymes, their remembrance of uh, pictures, because I have pictures in, um, in the upcoming subordinate clause and subordinated posters, regardless of their method of learning, and what makes something stick with them, I kind of cover it all that way. So I tell students that a subordinator is a word at the beginning of a subordinate clause. So um, it falls at the beginning, a subordinator falls at the beginning of a subordinate clause. And I call them subordinate clauses. And, and sometimes I might call them dependent, but dependent clauses are way more confusing than subordinate clauses. So I might interchange those some, but, the, but what we call them when we um, put brackets around them in sentences in order to find our subjects and verbs and match them up, we call them subordinate clauses. And here are some reasons behind that. First of all, subordinator is the word, is the grammar term for the word that begins at the beginning, that is at the beginning of subordinate clause. So that makes it way easier, right? You learn subordinators because they come at the beginning of subordinate clauses. When you're looking for subordinate clauses, you look for any of the 30 or 40 subordinators that you have memorized, okay? That's one reason. Another reason is that subordinator has the prefix sub in it. And so then of course we can look at sub and what does sub mean? We can look at sub and say, well, a sub, like if you're a substitute or like you have a substitute teacher or a sub is coming in today, then what we are saying is that she or he is less than the real teacher right? It's just because she doesn't usually, they don't, they do not usually teach that class, right? So they are going to be subordinate. They're going to be less than the real teacher. Also, I use a, a picture 
with a submarine. And submarine begins with the same prefix as subordinate. So then we are just solidifying that whole sub, submarine, subordinate. A submarine goes down, just like this a subordinate clause is down, it's less than a um, real sentence. Also, the submarine is uh, the um, mnemonic or the trick for memorizing. So because the submarine went down, we could not see it. Since the submarine went down, we could still see it. Although the submarine went down, we could still see it. So you can see it's just, it's you know, a, a, a pronged effort, like multi-pronged effort, right? Because now we have subordinators. They start the game with subordinate clause. They make the um, sentence, they make that part of the sentence less than. They have a subject and verb, but they're not real sentences because of the subordinator. It is less than, it cannot stand alone. And it sounds as though something is missing. And this, of course, is where I do the, you know, uh, since the submarine went down, okay, is that a sentence? No, because she stretched out her voice again, <laughs> right? But eventually this causes them to hear the realness of a sentence. All right, and then um, uh, another reason is because subordinators with that sub, like subpar. What is subpar? It is less than something like this is just subpar. It is less, right? And then we also have the concept of a subordinate, like somebody who is um, subordinate is under somebody else, right? So you might have, I don't know, a general and then a private, right? So a general would be the boss, so to speak, and a private would be a subordinate to him. So it's under. So we have all of these different mnemonics and word tricks and everything that can help us teach these difficult concepts because it's very difficult to teach a subordinate clause because it has, it can have four of the five elements of case. And that's what makes it so difficult to teach and to learn. All right, so we go through and we teach subordinate clauses. We teach subordinators, I mean, teach subordinators first. And first I have six learned in rhyme. And there are some links at the end of this that uh, have the think fast quizzes, the beginning and the advanced. And then there are some prepositional preposition phrase and preposition packets to learn hundred prepositions and um, a whole book of 90 pages on teaching prepositions using mnemonics and um, just all kinds of things to use to teach 100 prepositions. And so those are available um, at my Teachers Pay Teacher store, but they're at the end of this book. So since when though, because if although, the reason I use that is because these are the most common six subordinators that will begin a beginning subordinate clause. Right, so we call this, um, that is the first six subordinators learned in rhyme. So there are six subs, right? That is what we're learning. We're learning six subs. And that's simply a memorization process, right? Because I'm, we want them to have a few under their belt right away, A, so they can recognize them, B, so they can write with them um, and punctuate properly when they do write with them. All right, so uh, then the next step is a subordinator check sentence. And this is where we use the sentence blank the submarine went down, we could no longer or still see it. All right. And then all of a sudden we have probably 30 subs, i.e., subordinators, that will fit into the subordinator check sentence. Since the submarine went down, we can no longer see it. When the submarine went down, we can no longer see it. 
Though the submarine went down, we could still see it. Because the submarine went down, we could no longer see it. So this check sentence, again, is multi-pronged as well. I like, to, I like to have a lot of avenues to come at things when I'm teaching. So this is, first of all, it, the, sub, the subordinators fit in the beginning, the ones that are not question subordinators. The question subordinators are another um, thing in and of themselves. Now, when fits, um, but like which, who the submarine went down, um, what the submarine went down, um, what are the question words? How the submarine went down? Those uh, that are question words do not fit. But the subordinators that are used at the beginning of subordinate clauses fit. Perfect. They can learn tons of them. I just put this uh, on the board and then I say, write as many as you can think of, right? As many things that will fit into that uh, check sentence. Okay. So that's one great thing about it. And another great thing about it is look at the structure of those. Since the summary went down, comma, we can no longer see it. Though the summary went down, comma, we could still see it. And so the beauty of that is they have an example of a subordinate clause opener and a CS, complete sentence, right there in front of them with the check sentence. Isn't that amazing? So we are teaching subordinators through a check sentence, but voila, the check sentence is also teaching how to use a subordinate clause opener, how to punctuate, and how you need a complete sentence following it. It, it isn't necessarily teaching it blatantly, but once they use the check sentence over and over and over again, then I am going to say, since the summary went down, like the summary went down, give me a subordinator that fits there, right? And they are going to hear that non-sentence. They're going to hear that unreal sentence. Okay, and we have a nearly complete list of subordinators in this appendix, appendix A, lesson two, the very back. So this, the, the, this right, right, quick kit is like, chock chock full. I mean, a teacher who would go through all four hours of this training and use this book and then have the appendix for all of the lists of everything uh, would be very, very um, well prepared to teach uh, sentence writing and paragraph writing. It's, it's just um, loaded in all clauses and all conciseness techniques and just everything. It's a great grammar slash writing help. All right, so now once they recognize subordinators, they're ready to write with them. So a subordinator is a word that falls at the beginning of a subordinate clause. A subordinate clause is a group of words that begins with a subordinator and has a subject and verb following it. All right. Okay, I'll come back to that. All right, so again, the name of this, a subordinate clause, tells us that it has a subordinator at the beginning of it. All right, so when I tell students, okay, I want you all to write at the beginning of, on your paper, I want you to write the beginning of a sentence, and I want that to be a subordinate clause first. Subordinate clause, subordinate clause. You know what subordinate clause starts with, right? Yeah, it starts with the subordinator. Subordinate clause starts with subordinator, right? It's just so perfect. And whenever there are multiple terms for something, multiple terms for anything, even like take articles and noun markers. I've taught about those um, before. I'm not sure what lesson those were in. They will be the very first thing in our summer series on parts of speech. But um, they, they're called articles and they're also called noun markers. So I am going to use the term that shows what that word is or does as much as I can. And then the other term, articles, will be in parentheses. That'll be my lesser term for those words because a noun marker and a the three little words 
tell you that a noun is about to be heard. I have a whole poster set on that too. Um, that whole idea of noun markers tells you what they do. What do noun markers do? They mark a noun. They tell you that a noun is coming immediately or very soon. And so that is the same way with the subordinate clause. We're gonna see in just a minute, um, you know, dependent clause and subordinate clause uh, in just a second. But I call them subordinate clauses because a subordinate clause is another term for clauses that are not real sentences that begin with subordinators. And it has the word subordinate in it. All right, so it begins with the subordinator and it has a subject and a verb. All right, so we can see here when we put those um, subordinators, you know, in front of a subject and a verb, we have when she drove, comma, again, we're falling off our chair, we're pu pulling that out, we're dragging that out because it is not a real sentence. My students tell me that when they take standardized testing and they come to a subordinate clause, and it needs a comma in the sentence, like, you know, tell you what mistake is in this or whatever, you know, standardized test might, tell, uh, might ask for. They say, oh, it's like you're in my brain and you're about to fall off your chair. <laughs> and I'm like, see, you didn't forget it though, did you? And they're like, no, I didn't forget it. All right, and so as he said, after she left, when they arrived, because he smiled, okay, and now comes the real kicker to subordinate clauses. And again, the reason why they're always mixed up with sentences. And that is that on the left, we have a sentence and on the right, we have subordinate clause. She drove, he said, she left, they arrived, he smiled. Subject, verb, capital, period, all makes sense. Subject, verb, capital, period, all makes sense. Caves all the way through, C-A-V-E-S. But on the right, we see that when we put a subordinator at the beginning of it, it is no longer a real sentence. It is an unreal sentence, all right? And so um, we can't put it alone. It cannot stand alone. It has to have a complete sentence added to it, all right? And so with that, we, when they're learning to write subordinate clauses, and I say, okay, I want everybody to, you know, get out your paper. And the first thing I want you to do is write a subordinate clause. You know what they begin with, right? Yeah, I know they begin with a subordinator. Okay, so go ahead and write, you know, that. And then they put the word when or something. And then they're like, I'm not exactly sure what to put after when. And I said, well, and I'll say, well, a subordinate clause has everything that a sentence has, except it has that subordinator that makes it sound less than a real sentence because it is less than a real sentence. And then they'll say, oh, so I need a subject and verb. Yes. And then what do you have? When she drove, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it has a subject and a verb, uh, but it doesn't A, all make sense. All right, so the, um, the, the breakdown for this is that you have sentences, which are also a type of clause, and you have subordinate clauses, which are also a type of clause. So what we have is sentences, um, when I was in school, we learned, we learned independent clauses and dependent clauses. But I actually remember being super confused about this. And that is why that is my secondary name that I call them. Because like, again, if, there's two, if there are two or three choices in what a part of speech is called, then I'm going to choose the one that has something to do with what it does. So subordinate clauses, clause with a subordinate at the beginning. Okay, great. 
All right, so the independent and dependent, that simply means that a sentence is independent. So it can be independent, it can stand all alone. And then I tell the kids, like an independent clause, like um, you are not independent because you still live with your parents, right? And they are, you know, they still take care of you. So you're not independent. When somebody moves out on their own and they pay all their bills and all that, then we say that they are independent. But you are what is called a dependent. And then I ask them, you know, have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of taxes that your parents, that your parents write you in as a dependent? In other words, somebody that they need to pay for, right? Or you can say that, you know, well, it depends whether somebody, uh, it depends on what time she gets off of work as to whether she's coming or not. So it is dependent on things. And an independent clause can stand alone. Now, the kicker again is that both of them, whether it's a sentence or subordinate clause, or whether it's an independent clause or a dependent clause, regardless of what it is, it has a subject and a verb. And again, that's where students get confused. And that's why I like to just break this down little by little by little and go slowly and teach every kind of trick and every kind of tip and give so much practice. So, so, so much practice. Like some of my practice uh, in my grammar assignments will have like where you add a subordinate clause. Well, first of all, they'll have where you find all the subordinators. Then it will have where you um, find the subordinate clause openers. Then it'll have where you put commas in following the subordinate clause openers. Then it'll have where you find subordinate clauses throughout sentences. Then it will have how you add a subordinate clause to a sentence that's already there. Then it'll have you add a real sentence to a subordinate clause that's already there. And you can see how that just builds and builds and builds uh, with the skills of learning subordinators, learning to recognize subordinate clauses as being less and learning to recognize uh, sentences as being standalones, independent. All right, so they both contain subjects and verbs, but a sentence slash independent clause can stand alone. A subordinate clause slash dependent clause cannot stand alone, okay? So a sentence is also called an independent clause because it can stand alone. And a um, subordinate clause is also called a dependent clause because it is dependent on a real sentence in order to be used. All right, so that took me the entire 30 minutes, right? Um, but I just feel like this is such a difficult topic. Students do not recognize when something is not a real sentence. And it is because of these subordinators. And when you see like the eight parts of speech, um, you know, like I'm teaching 10 parts of speech this summer uh, in my series, my, uh, uh, on the podcast and uh, um, in the weekly emails and also at Instagram. And the, subordinate, the, the subordinator is often not even included in the parts of speech, which is such a shame because being able to write well absolutely positively requires that you can find subordinate clauses. So when it is not even listed as one of the parts of speech, and I know, you know, well, that, that's not traditionally one of the eight, you know, or that's not the, the 10 that, you know, uh, you know, APA now says, or that uh, Webster's or um, Oxford or whatever, that is not, those are not, a subordinator is not one of those. But my question is, why not? Why not when it is so important to understanding whether you have a sentence or you don't have a sentence? It is so important to creating um, what we learned in school as complex sentences. 
which I never understood those because nobody taught it to me like this, where you have a subordinate clause and you have to put it with a real sentence. And look what happens when you do. And I think that's because our grammar books um, came at everything and, and a lot of grammar programs will, they came at everything from a grammar standpoint. Whereas I come at everything from a writing standpoint. So you can't write with subordinate clause openers. You can't find your subjects and verbs and subordinate clauses to match them up. You can't see where to put a comma after a subordinate clause opener. You can't tell when something is not even a sentence because it is a subordinate clause. You can't use a subordinate clause in the middle as in a positive, right? Uh, the girl, comma, uh, um, because she was late, comma, didn't get a seat, right? We're, we're having that drop in, that kind of like an, uh, um, an positive. You can't learn to punctuate them at the end of sentences, right? And yet we don't say they're one of the eight, six, seven, nine, ten parts of speech. So um, anyway, I just think that that's a shame because I think it is so incredibly necessary. All right, so that is it for today. Next week, we are going to pick, next month, we're going to pick up with prepositional phrases and um, then telling the difference between the two, between um, subordinate clauses and phrases, all right? And um, so little hint, clauses have subjects and verbs and phrases usually do not. All right, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. So here we go. Uh, you can learn more at the blog. You can get the entire teacher's notebook in order. Um, all ready for you to download and print um, at the languagearstudyblog.com forward slash teacher notebook. You can get individual episodes of all of the 51 hits as well as their booklets at languagearstudyblog.com forward slash how I teach. Here are free products related to the, this lesson. And what we have is how to complete the checklist challenge. This product is a video of me teaching a book called How to Complete the Checklist Challenge. And they're free, the video as well as the book. And so you know, take a week off, actually you can take two weeks off. It's a checklist challenge is a, long, is a long process. So that is the challenge, the checklist that we use to um, improve writing. So, uh, and it has all of these things in it that are in this Write, Write, Quick Kit. And then here are a couple of freebies that I have that would be more um, pertinent to um, learning sentences and paragraphs. And then also on uh, 49, I did um, uh, paragraph teaching from the Write, Write, Quick Kit. And then here is a free preposition list and categories card that you can get. And no charge. This actually has all the categories of prepositions uh, that you can cut out and put on rings for your students. It's super, super helpful. All right. And so here are some digital products related to this. What a sentence contains, case poster, preposition practice, think fast grammar quizzes, all of the links to those products. And here are some more books <laughs> that I have at my stores. And of course, Meaningful Composition is a one semester faith-based writing book. And it has all of this, those have all of this in it as well, especially the first semester of each year. So Meaningful Comp 3 1, 4 1, 5 1, 6 1, 7 1. They teach a lot about the checklist challenge and so forth. All right, thank you so much for joining me on today's hit and I will see you next month, but I hope I see you before that. I hope I see you on Instagram, in the podcast, 10-Minute uh, Grammar, 
in the Instagram uh, reels and short lessons that I have there. Uh, I would love to just spend the entire summer with you working on the parts of speech. Thank you for joining me.